You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast. Today, I'm sharing the 12 life lessons that school never taught me. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and with 13 years online, I've built my business to over $9 million in sales per year. And this is the first non-business business podcast that shows you how to apply the principles of spirituality, energy, and mindset to create true and lasting success all from the inside out. This is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here. And Jilly Cedeno is here, too. And this is the podcast where we help you think like a successful entrepreneur so you can become a successful entrepreneur. And I'm very excited for today's topic. It's actually a listener question of the week. It comes in from a so special shout out here to Shelly Carney. Shelly, fantastical question. Mm-hmm. It's a really good one. We're so excited. We're actually going to turn it into a two-parter. It's a two-parter episode because it's a big one. It's a doozy. That's juicy. It's very juicy. She asked me, uh, wow, such a hashtag deep question around some of the biggest lessons, 12 specifically, I have learned about life, this thing called life, the game of life in all my years, my few years, the lessons and the principles for life that are things you don't really learn in school. This is going to be a really good episode. We took a lot of time putting this together for you. And it became so big and extensive that we're going to turn it into two episodes. We're going to get into that in just a minute, but I wanted to catch you up to speed. We got Jilly back on the show. I'm so excited to be here. I think everyone else is excited to have you. They're like outside chanting. (laughs) We want more. Jilly. Well, we got a few batching episodes in store for you. So yeah, yeah, we do. It's always great to have you. It's always fun because you know, you're someone that we work so closely with inside the business that you get to fill in the gaps on things and bring another level of, of understanding to everything that we that we share as we put it out there in the world. But we just got back from our um, executive team retreat. Wow, that was so fun. I mean, that was the best one yet. I think so too. Not to rub it into the rest of the team, <laughs> but it was our best uh, exec retreat yet. Our executive team are the key leaders in the company. We have five. Mm-hmm. And they're in the, these key leadership roles. And, you know, normally it's like a lot of heavy lifting. It's a lot of stuff. Is Some of it's like, all right, here's the big problems and things we got to fix. But yeah, in previous years, like growing pains, things like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've had retreats in the past where you spend the whole retreat just talking about like problem employees mm-hmm. and like huge issues you got to solve. And it can get like heavy and stressful. This felt like so light and so free. So yeah, previous years has kind of been like exhausting, but this was kind of like liberating almost. Oh, so yeah, liberating. Inspiring. And one of the things that we did, and obviously we teach this in our goals slash game setting guide that we give you is taking a look back and how important that is to do that. I hope you've downloaded that. What is the URL for that? jameswebmore.com forward slash breakthrough. Breakthrough. That's right. It's breakthrough 2021. And one of the exercises in there, which we did ourselves in the exact retreat, retreat is to take a look back at all the things that we've done, accomplished, the highlight reel of 2020, if you will. And even when I know this, and even when I've been doing this for so many years, your brain still tricks you. And your brain doesn't want to see all the growth that you're having and experiencing. It doesn't want to see the change that you're going through. And you start to like delete, minimize all the wins and success that you had. And we really just got present to like, wow, despite everything happening in the world and all of that and how successful, like really, truly easily to say, 
the most successful year in all of our years in the company and the highest revenue. Right. And I would say we probably worked the least. And we worked well. the least. Yeah. There's got to be something. I don't know. Well, Andy started a side business or two. So yeah. <laughs> but but I don't know. This whole like work less, make more nonsense here. But we passed that stupid, elusive, not significant whatsoever eight-figure mark and, yeah. and surpassed over $10 million in revenue, which is really great. And I think we're going to make that a, a separate episode coming up is just a, a look back on lessons learned and reflecting on being an eight-figure company. And I think there's a lot we can unpack and share with you guys there. Yeah, especially hitting that this year too and not letting adversity or you know outside conditions. The uncertainty yeah. of life, which reality check, it's always uncertain. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing about having a goal, a big, hairy, scary goal like that too and why it's so great to do these exec retreats because you kind of restart your goal, you restart your new game, you call your old game complete and you're ready to hit the ground running on the new goal. And I don't know, something for me, having a goal that's big like that, that we're all on board with just really drives me to you know, do something I haven't done before. Absolutely. You need that. Mm -hmm. And so we do the exec retreat every year. And I think we're going to be, we do something every quarter in the past where it's like usually just Jillian and I checking in, reviewing the past quarter and then looking towards the new quarter. And I think we're going to do a little deeper, like maybe a little mini exec thing every quarter because it is just so beneficial. Yeah. And I think even if you, you know, you don't have a team or exec team right now, just even taking yourself out of your normal environment and doing these exercises and thinking big and creating a plan for moving forward is, is going to be highly advantageous. Yeah. And then we have a team retreat, an annual team retreat, and we might be doing more things like that because now we're all virtual this year. And you know, what can I say? The team misses us, (laughs) you know, it's hard. It's hard when they don't get as much Jillian James time. I was going to say, they might miss you. I don't know. Oh, that's not true. That's not true. But I will also say like such a a huge part of this and a continual lesson and something to be grateful for is like the support system that we create along the way. Mm-hmm. And when we go after something big and that thing that we go after that's big is beyond us and you see the people that align with you to just to support you. First, it's your exec team. I mean, we are a solid, unstoppable unit. And then you have this incredible team that's also part of that support system. But then each and every one of us have, you know, family, mm-hmm. like even just like how our parents cheer us on with the things that we're doing and you update them and first they think you're crazy. And then they're like, <laughs> well, you've done it every single time before. So yeah. what's to stop you now? And then like peers in the industry, you know, whether they're clients or people that can, would you can construe as competitors that are there supporting you in so many different ways. And you start to look at the vast support system that you've created that they're a part of your support system and you're a part of theirs and like how important that is not necessary not required you start start with you you know and just like but how good that feels to know that you have that and that really adds to a level of unshakability unstoppability yeah it's almost like it feeds your business soul (laughs) yeah yeah and it's great it's great to be there for people to know that people can count on you and that you have so many people that you can count on as well and that's Mm -hmm. just beautiful i think that's so much about what it's you know what it's about and these extraordinary relationships that we've created over the years so anywho enough updating them we could (laughs) go on and on but i want to get into today's episode i want to at least start it today it's a two-parter and we're going to start by sharing Shelly's question now. Such a great question, Shelly. So uh, without further ado, let's play that little clip for you right now. Hi, James. My name is Shelly Carney. I've been listening to your podcast for years, and I've heard you say many times that you're learning things 
you never learned in school, or that some things seem weird or woo-woo to us because we didn't learn them from our parents or teachers. I especially love the podcasts where you list important things, like in your episode 412, 10 Spiritual Habits That Changed My Life and Grew My Business, which you released on November 23rd, 2020. My question is this, could you share with us what are the 12 most important life lessons you've learned that were not taught to you by your parents or in school, but you wish they had been? Thanks. Wow. Shelly. So good. Such a great question. I'm very grateful for the question. I'm also grateful just like for the plugs and the way you ask the question, like plugging the episodes and stuff. That's so awesome. Really, really just giving you an opportunity to kind of like reflect back on this too. I was excited about that. I I love to talk about these things and think about these things. So it was kind of just a joy to take the time. We, We, I flushed out a bunch of ideas and then just like put it away for like maybe a month. I mean, she sent this in like a month ago and just kind of put it to the side. And then we came back to it and created something that it was is really special. So I want to do that. I want to share with you guys. And I, and I also want to just thank Shelly that she's asking a question that isn't like just a business marketing question, but I think every entrepreneur and business owner and human being could take at least one of these mm-hmm. and apply it to their life and, and have their life be higher quality. And that's really the aim is just, number one, as I answer all of these from my perspective, I don't know everything. And that should be one of the lessons too, is, you know, to know nothing, you know, to think, you know, everything is a sign of ignorance, right? But this is what I've learned thus far as I've learned to be true. These become my principles of life, my pillars for living an extraordinary life. And they've helped me in so many ways. And, you know, you can listen through the I agree, don't agree lens. It's so so dangerous, so limiting, so small to not have the courage to try something on different because, I mean, that's what you guys came here for, right? You want more of the same, then you're going to be more of the same. You're going to get more of the same or you want a, a, a different perspective, a different way of looking at things. So I will encourage you that even though I'm still learning every single day and that's the point until I die and I know you know so little compared to the vastness of knowledge and life and everything that exists in the great grand mystery, but these things are things I've learned and I've adopted and they've helped me, they've helped others. I share them and sprinkle them in, in everything I do and this is a great place where we can put them all in one place. And yeah, and I think because, like Shelly mentioned, you haven't learned them in school or business school or anything like that, it's really gonna take you putting these into place and practicing them and choosing to, like James did, adopt them and retrain your subconscious mind to live these, these yeah. ways, if you so choose. Yeah, absolutely. So here are my 12 life lessons that school didn't teach me. We are going to do six today and then we're going to do six on another episode. Lesson number one, no one's coming to save you. Hmm. People hear this one and it sounds morbid, kind of nihilistic and negative. And it has also the opportunity to be the most beautiful truth ever. No one is coming to save you. I put this at the top of the list because this is the first thing I learned on my own. I look back and I look at the environment and the upbringing that we have and how that starts to create your model of the world. For so much of your life, you're taken care of. You're protected. You're fed. Everything you want is paid for. Most of us, that's the experience that we have. Obviously, it's a generalization. And then we go to school. School tells us what to do. School gives you 
permission, says, yes, no, you're ready for this. You're not ready for that. And here you go. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you find yourself in the real world. The thing that our parents usually talk about, like my dad would always say, oh, the real world's tough. (laughs) It's tough out there. You know, it's brutal. You know, you say all these things like, oh my gosh, what is this like open, you know, treacherous sea that exists out there once I leave the shore. And if we're not careful, you're going to end up like me where I just thought, even though I'm in the real world now, like not under parental guidance, not in schooling anymore, that someone's still going to take care of me, that people are still going to give me opportunities, that people are still going to say, now you can do this, or here's this job, or here's this opportunity, or this promotion, or this. And most people live a big portion of their lives that way, waiting for someone to give them the door. Wow. Right? And those things still come, you know, opportunities, absolutely. But something radically shifted when I realized, whoa, no one's ever coming to save me, to help me. Because I feel like I would have just kept waiting and waiting and waiting. And that was when I first adopted the whole principle of taking radical responsibility for my life, for my circumstances, and for my future. That's when I really started to take inspiring, empowering actions to go after what I want in my life. That's when I said, I can be hungry. I can be aggressive. You know, like, let's go for it. Let's do this. Because if I'm waiting for someone to hand it to me, I could wait my whole life and waste my whole life as a result of it. I first really got this. I mean, there's so many experiences and stories of this, but a first big one was this sunk at a deeper level was when I went to my very first business and marketing event. It was a Dan Kennedy event. I was so nervous and so scared to go by myself that I invited my dad Mm -hmm. and he went there just to support me. And at the time I'd spent like four or five months working on my bartend for profit. It was my online bartending school product, but I hadn't launched it. I kept adding things to the to-do list, right? And that kept pushing out, oh, there's more to do. It's not ready yet. It's not ready yet. And I was just getting distracted by the busyness. I was being seduced by the busyness. We've talked about that a lot. And there's a great story that I talk about that happened there where I was in the back of the room. This is a side story. And someone spoke on stage about their business and the success that they had. And my dad nudges me on the side and he goes, one day that'll be you up there. And the story isn't about an encouraging, supportive father, although that's, you know, huge. The story is about how I reacted and how freaked out I got. Because I was like, no, 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 no way. Oh my gosh, no, if I have to be on set, I don't want to do this. And that, as I reflect back, is how much fear I was operating from and how much, you know, I was in safety and survival and not willing to go outside my comfort zone. But something else happened there. I was around so many people that were on stage and speaking and sharing about their successes. And I realized like, man, they have what I want. Like they're running the business, they're making money, they're getting sales. And I'm just sitting here making it better, improving the website and changing this. And it's just always getting ready to get ready. And that's really where it's cemented that no one's gonna tell me I'm ready. No one's gonna give me the key. No one's gonna give me the door. I have to go after it. And I went home and within a week later, I had my very first sale for that program. 
and it wasn't even finished. I just said, screw it, I'm launching it, and when that sale comes in, I'll, I'll get it done, but I gotta make it available for sale. And I've adopted that ever since then, which is this idea that no one's coming to save you, but you are so powerful that you can always save yourself. You can always do something no matter what your current circumstances, especially in the realm of business. No problem is too big that you can't solve. In fact, every problem that comes to you, the solution is already there and you can solve it. And when you take 100% responsibility for the circumstance and state of your business, of your financial situation, all of that, that puts you back into so much power. But when you think someone is, if you're still operating from that very quiet context, that someone is supposed to give you the keys, give you the opportunity, you're operating with so little power. I can't have what I want until someone gives it to me means you have already given your power away to someone else. And for so many of us, we don't even know who that person is. That was the first one. And that was so big. Yeah. Just hearing you talk made, you know, kind of a flashback of a memory and just like where I was before I started working with you, James, and just kind of like how I was just, I was in this helpless feeling and you want to know why it's because I was waiting for someone to notice how unhappy I was and set me free. Right. Instead of what I ultimately did is, you know, took control of the situation Mm -hmm. and set myself free. So when I say no one's coming to save you, Mm -hmm. if that sounded dark, or negative, or, oh, I thought James was like this super positive guy, then chances are you're operating from that context. Right. But when you see that as liberating. Empowering. Empowering. That means it's time for you to do something about it. Mm -hmm. And that's the point. And that's the first life lesson I learned after school and not in school. (laughs) Life lesson number two is One you've heard cliche a gajillion times, but it's time you freaking learn it. It's time you embody it because we talk about this a lot. There's a difference. Oh, I've heard this before. People always say great reminder, but it's like, yeah, you can remember these things, but are you living these things? Life lesson number two, life is happening for you, not to you, for you. Wow. This is so important because so much of our life, similar you know, kind of jumping off point from lesson number one is we experience the world out there as some sort of threat. You know, I think about it. You grow up, you're this small person. Everyone's bigger than you. You have parents like mine said the world out there is big and scary and you know, it's dangerous and hard and tough and all that type of stuff. So we really create this context of fear and we operate out of survival. This is where the whole comfort zone gets created. It's like, okay, it's safe here. Let me just stay here. And I don't want to venture outside of that. And then we kind of have like, life is happening to me. Ah, here's this problem. Ah, here's this danger. Ah, here's this other thing over here, right? Threat, problem. Oh my goodness, right? And we're trying to dodge. We're trying to survive. And what so much of our life becomes, and this is what was happening to me for a long time, is like, I just want things to go back to normal. I just want to find that safety and that peace. And like, where do I find that again? And all these things out there that are happening to me. And then we, we hear it in our questions, right? Quality of your life quality of questions. Why does this always happen, happen to me? Mm-hmm. Why does this always happen? Or maybe is it like when you find yourself living kind of in a reactionary state Yes, all the time? Yeah. Yes, you are reacting to life mm-hmm. instead of responding huge cataclysm of distinction difference there. Mm-hmm. But here's how I see life. We come here in these 3D bodies, maybe 5D bodies, in order to have experiences. You're here to experience. And from these experiences, this is how we learn. 
you won't learn nearly as much from this podcast as you will from life experiences. I could teach you everything about how to do a launch, but you will learn so much more from the launch. So you will learn from these experiences, but that's your choice because life is also a choice. And from these lessons, we get to grow. So we experience so we can learn and we learn so that we can grow because we ain't getting out of this thing alive. So hopefully we can get out a better version than how we came in. And the moment I chose to have my life unfold from the context of this is all happening for me, I realized however painful, however big the problem is, however stressful, however high the stakes were, that this was happening for my growth. Always, it's for your growth. And I've talked about this so much on the show because it really is. That's when, when you see pain as a blessing because pain is where you get to pay attention to what you haven't been paying attention to. That's why people say success is a crappy teacher. It's true. You don't really pay attention to what did I learn from that? When everything's working, we get lazy. Okay. That's okay. We all do it. I do it too. But when, when, wow, something, the stakes are high and there's like a real problem. It's like you are forced to stop and really dig in and get to the bottom of this and say, what am I missing here? And that's such an empowering, empowering context. And here's how I see things is we have desires, we have wants and the desires and wants and goals and dreams and all that stuff are always things that we don't have. I want a business number. I want, you know, this type of outcome. I want something that I don't have. And the reason we want is because we don't have it. But I'd like you to consider that the reason that you don't have it is because you haven't done the required actions. You haven't been the person that that thing requires of you in some way. You're holding on to resistance beliefs and stories, ways of beings that are not congruent with the thing that you want. Staying in your comfort zone. Exactly. So the moment you go to the universe and say, this is what I want. What if the universe is saying, then this is what you'll need to learn. Mm. Then this is who you'll need to become. Then this is what you'll need to discover. Then this is what it will take. And it presents you with situations and circumstances designed to get you to learn and step into that person. And what do we do? No, (laughs) stop it. So you said you wanted this. It's like if you go to a trainer and you say, I wanna get in the best shape of my life. And they go, great, we're gonna do these really tough workouts. You're like, no, it's the same thing. Same but different. Yeah, or if you experience something happening again and again and again, and you're saying like, why is this happening? It's like, well, maybe you didn't learn the lesson the first time. And it's until you can learn that lesson that you can actually move forward with what you want. And then the lesson just repeats, Mm -hmm. repeats. And I love that fable or little metaphor, antidote thing of first God throws the pebble. Mm -hmm. If you don't pay attention, he throws the rock. If you're still not paying attention, you get the boulder. (laughs) That's a nice boulder. (laughs) You know what movie that's from? I've heard it, but I can't think of it. It's from Shrek. Okay. Shrek is Eddie Murphy. So I'm a donkey, Shrek. All right. So life is happening for you was one of the most beautiful lessons that I continue to learn that there is no problems only exist as an interpretation. Failure is an interpretation. And that's where we learn. And because of that, that's how we grow. Imagine if you tried that one on. How is this happening for me? It's for you. It's so big. It's so big. Okay. Let's move on to life lesson number three that you are here for a reason. Not only is life happening for you, but you're here for a reason. I believe this at my core. Yeah, you're not a fluke. You're not a fluke, you're not an accident. This isn't random. So 
people start talking about purpose. And the first thing is before you can go, what's my purpose? You have to already be at the level of belief, the presupposition that your purpose is there. It's for example, if I hid your keys in your house and you went looking for your keys, that's one thing. Maybe you'd find them eventually. Where's my keys? Where are my keys? Where are my keys? But if the whole time you're looking, you're like, I don't think my keys are in here at all. Mm. How does that affect your internal state on you even bother looking? They're not in here. Yeah. Right? So a lot of people aren't looking for their purpose because they don't think they have one at all. And this is where the law of Dharma comes in. It's law. There's a law of gravity. Okay. This is a law. The law of Dharma, which we talk about a lot, is the law that the fact that if you're breathing, you're alive, you're here for a reason. And part of that reason is doing something that betters humanity in some way, helps. And that it is a unique way that you and you alone, just like you are a unique snowflake fingerprint, that you and you alone can do. And that's the law of Dharma. Now, that gets people hopefully excited. How do you find that? Your North Star is your heart and doing what you love. Finding a way to get more and more clear on what it is that you love and spend your life, dedicate your life to that. Yeah, because I think the mistake I see some people make is just if they say they don't have a purpose, they're just kind of like doing what they've always done and they just hope one day they're going to wake up and know what their purpose is or their purpose is just going to fall on their lap. Mm -hmm. But I think what you said is exactly right. If you're looking for it, you must take action mm -hmm. towards it in order to find it. What's that beautiful quote that I'm going to botch is like the two most important days of your life is the day you're born and the day you find out why. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So here's the beauty of this. You all have purpose and the way you find it is through how you feel. And when you're living it, everything becomes easier, guaranteed. Mm -hmm. We have a great example of someone, they'll know who I'm talking about, but I won't share any names, of someone I was coaching. And they were like this amazing student who did everything I said. I did this and I did this and nothing was working. And they were getting more and more deflated. And I had this kind of, as in the, in the coaching as I'm listening, I had this kind of intuitive thing come to me. And so I kind of went down this different route in the coaching. And everything they were doing was to build one type of business. And this was the business they went to school for, years of education and time and training and money. And it was the logical, realistic, safe business to pursue. But as soon as they started asking a few probing questions, it wasn't what their heart was calling them to do. It wasn't what they were most excited about. It was what was safe, logical, and reasonable. It's what made sense. And I just threw out a question. Have you ever considered that the reason you haven't been successful in this business is because it's not what you're actually here to do. And if we just for a moment tried on the idea that this other business is what you're here to do, this is your dharma, this is your purpose, would God, source of the universe, really let you succeed at the thing that you're not supposed to do? Wouldn't that just distract you and move you away from your purpose even more? True. And they're still in this, you know, process of like letting go of that to let in. That's one of our, you know, we'll come <laughs> up with tuned. that. Stay tuned. But more is unfolding for them. They're going more in the right direction now as they start to pursue this other path. They're having experiences of better feedback from clients, feeling more fulfilled and more grateful. And that is like breadcrumbs moving them closer and closer. So when you have a purpose and when you find it, you'll know you'll find it because of how it feels. And when you are living it, 
I guarantee you things are going to be working so much easier for you. That's a soul level alignment. We talk about three levels of alignment. There's soul alignment, there's thought alignment, and there's action alignment. Your soul is when you're doing what your soul already knows you're here to do. And when that happens, things just start to fall in place. I'd like you to consider that maybe things aren't falling in place because you're not doing what you're here to do. And it changes, by the way. It changes. You complete yes. a phase and then you shift or you do something a little differently. It evolves and grows. Life is a moving target. Mm-hmm. And maybe something was working and it no longer is. And you have to be willing to look at that. Okay? Yeah. And I think it's safe to say your purpose evolves, just like you said. It definitely evolves, yes. gets bigger. Yes. Yeah. It's exciting. Let's talk about life lesson number four. Happiness is the way. This is the way. This is the way. So most people have conditioned happiness and most people do things to be happy. Can you explain conditional happiness for me? Yeah. Conditional happiness is, first of all, when we get down to it and you ask people enough why they are making the choices in their life, it'll boil down to some element of because it's going to make them feel good. It makes them, they believe it will make them feel a more positive feeling emotion, right? We're Mm. emotional creatures. We live in the feeling of our thinking, not the feeling of the world. So we believe certain things will make us happy. We believe money will make us happy, but we all know a lot of unhappy people with a ton of money. Just go look at any celebrity that's been in the media or had you know tragic situations happen to them, yeah. right? So money doesn't make you feel anything. So we condition happiness means we say things like, I will be happy when this happens or when I have this. Oh, it's like, I'll be happy once I'm in a relationship or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you're an unhappy person that's trying to find someone, right? And you can't get to happy from unhappy. Because no one's here to save you. You're here to save yourself. Exactly. (laughs) And when we start bringing in the law of attraction, Abraham Hicks and the energy conversation, you can't get here from there. Mm -hmm. You know, you look at the emotional scale and everything on a frequency. If you're on 91.1 unhappy and you want to get to 101.1, You have to tune to 101.1 first. You have to tune to happy to get the things that you think will make you happy anyways. But if you're unhappy, if you're like, a relationship will make me happy, but in the meantime, I'm unhappy, you're not gonna be very attractive to the mates that you're trying to attract. Mm -hmm. Plain and simple, right? So it's the same thing. It's the same things with the physical stuff you wanna attract. And it's very dangerous because they are fleeting. You might have a little high or dopamine hit when you go shopping or get the new car, the new thing, yay! And then that wears off and you're like, it's not making me happy anymore, so I need to go get something else. And then you're chasing stuff by chasing happiness and happiness is the way. You know, happiness is a choice. We need to find a way every day to choose happiness no matter our external circumstance. Okay, and this starts to go into other things we're gonna talk about, but to live a happy life is one of the most important things and unconditional happiness means you are happy no matter what. Now, that doesn't mean you don't experience a range of emotions. Right. That doesn't mean you're not allowed to get sad, okay? That doesn't mean you need to plastic, happy, I'm just happy, all the, I'm not upset. Just bottle no. everything down. But you don't let, I think something I learned a long time ago, which is really helpful, is like there's nothing bad or wrong about negative emotions. It's really about staying in those negative emotions at chronic negative emotion, right? You're allowed to have a bad day. You're allowed to get sad. You're allowed to be frustrated. You're allowed to be angry. But can you find your way back to happiness now? Can you choose gratitude? I mean, that's why the morning routines are so important because it's like, can you reset? Yesterday's done. And it's and we're gonna talk about those kind of things like the past. 
And we must, must, must choose happiness now. Happiness is the way. And a great quote, I talk about this, Jim talks about this, is that most people think more money will make them happy, but in reality, it's happiness that will make you more money. And nothing's further than the truth. Mm -hmm. Oh my goodness. I mean, and what I found is when I just choose to be happy, it's very easy for me to be happy. I'm not trying to brag. I'm just saying it's very easy for me to be happy. Like, um, and yes, today the external things, like you can look out the window and see Sedona and be like, oh my goodness, I live here. I'm so happy. Or I'm living my purpose. Oh my goodness, I'm so happy. But you have to start with something like, do you have your health? Do you have family? Do you have friends? Do you have something that you can choose to remind you? And also know that those things can come and go because you ain't taking any of this stuff with you. It's all borrowed. But we have to find a way to get to happy and choose happiness. But if you're unhappy on the route to happy, you'll never get there. Yeah, when you decide to choose happiness, more things to be happy will unfold. Now, there's a lot of people that have some resistance to this because they feel like maybe they don't deserve to be happy Mm. or it's selfish to be happy. Yeah, I can't be happy if other people in my life aren't happy. Yeah, and you know, that's the whole idea. Abraham Hicks talks about this. is like, you can't get sick enough to help the sick and you can't get poor enough to help the poor. You cannot give what you don't have. And what I've learned years ago, which I didn't put into my life lessons, but you know, I'm someone that wants to change lives, right? Most of you guys are, and I do. And one of my secrets to doing that is really simple. I realized a long time ago, people listen to like one tenth of what comes out of my mouth because I can see it go in one ear and out (laughs) the other, that's okay. But they learn so much more from modeling me. They see me, they observe me, and they're modeling the behavior, my states, my attitude, and all that, right? So you could go around saying, I really want my friend to be happy. So what do you do? You go up to them and say, be happy. Start being happy. You need to be happy. How's that working out for you? What kind of advice is that? They're just going to fight for their own happiness. It's like, stop telling me to be happy, right? But if no matter what they're going through and no matter what you're going through, they always see you as the friend that's always happy. And it's like, wow, you always... You just find a way to like cover yourself in Vaseline and not get hooked by everything and let things slide off your back and let go and move on and choose to see the good. And that's so inspiring Mm -hmm. that you realize that that's how you can have such a greater impact. Yeah, I'll have what he's having. I'll have what he's having. Be the example of what's possible in someone else's life. And that's the other thing you want to look at is like, you might want to look at your life now and kind of the state you show up. How do you show up and occur for other people? And is that inspiring them to be a better version of themselves? Wow, yeah. Like, gosh, she just always complains every time we get together, right? Or are you transcending that? It's not easy, but you didn't sign up for easy. So, you know, happiness is a choice. I don't care what anybody says. It's a choice. It's an internal state. And you get to choose your state. We've all had moments and experiences in our life where you felt happy. You can think of those moments now. And you can go back to those moments now and you can choose to feel what happiness feels like again now Mm -hmm. in any moment. You can start your day this way. You can put a timer, however long it needs to be, 10 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, every hour to remind yourself that you can choose happiness in this moment Mm -hmm. and you cannot get too happy from unhappy. You cannot get to all the things you want that you think will bring you happiness if you are on a journey of unhappiness. Happiness is the way. All right. These are some life lessons, huh? Yep. Life lesson number five. Oh, this is a biggie. This one's a game changer. This is the game changer. You, my friend, who you are, who are you? We can answer that many ways. You know, like you are this spiritual being having a human experience. You are 
Jilly, you are James, you are you. And also, you are your word. Mm. You've heard these phrases like, your word is your bond. Mm. Maybe you've heard things like, your word creates your world. You've heard us talk about integrity. But when I got this, everything changed. When I saw that I can create my world with my word, I started to care a lot about what, I, what was coming out of my mouth. I started to give more weight to the power of language. Things that were like a lot of complaining, right? Complaining, sorry if that upsets people here, is victim mentality. Mm-hmm. We are blaming others for why our life is the way it is and we're taking ourselves out of that important internal state of happy. Why, right? And when I started to care about my, my word, I started to create a better world because you wanna look at it as like, you are the author of your life. So most people live their life through the experience that they're just a character in a book. Hopefully people at least think they're the protagonist in the book, but you are the protagonist in a great story, but you're also the author of that story, which means you get to say what goes next. You get to say how that story goes. And we do that through our word. Things like, oh, I have to write a, a blog post. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, I have to do my taxes or whatever versus I get to. I'm one step closer to being the highest tax bracket, baby. Right, right. <laughs> Which means I'm making a lot of money, mm-hmm. right? Or these but statements like, yeah, I want to do this, but blah, 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 but I can't. And changing those buts to and. There's so much of your inner world that is indicative in the language that you choose. And when you start to change your language, you change your world. You are the author of your story, of your life. You are the main character. And guess what? You're all the other characters do. But that's like maybe another episode. But you are the creator of your life. You are the creator. With your word, through the power of language, you create. I declare, I demand, it is done. These aren't wants, wishes, hopes. That language of I wish, I want, I hope is I am creating that I don't have but only yearn for. Mm. I um, was talking to my sister because my sister and I love to geek out on manifesting, as does Jilly. And I told her something that just got manifested on my vision board that I created my vision board a week ago. And I said, look, it looks just like the picture on the vision board. She goes, how are you doing that so quickly? You've gotten so fast at this. What is it, you know? And I said, I don't know what exercise or whatever, but I said, there's a big difference between wanting and declaring. Wanting, desiring, yearning is still an emotion of not having. Mm. You don't want that which you already have. (laughs) I'm not sitting here going, I want a podcast. I'm saying, we're going to do an amazing episode today. It's it's a down statement of declaration, decision. And one of the things I, I taught is a stupid, simple exercise, which I want to do with you guys right now is look around wherever you are right now. If you're driving, don't do anything stupid. But if you're at a table or your desk, look around for any object and just look at the object on your desk. And then I want you to pick it up. You just pick it up. And if you just start to practice that, 
like a hundred times, like, okay, pick something else, pick it up and just decide to look at something and then decide to pick it up. I wonder if you can notice what the internal thought process, the internal wiring or world that is going on as what I see if I were to watch you is you grabbing it. What's going on inside? Are you saying, I want this thing so bad. I wish I could pick this up. Or are you just saying, this is mine. Yeah, got it. Got it. It's good. And you know, people want complex and complicated, I know, but it's simple, that's what works. Well, I have like kind of an inkling of why people might not think it can work so fast because if you are your word and you tell yourself that you're going to do things all the time and then you actively don't do those things, yes, then you're subconsciously retraining your mind not so to true. trust yourself. So if you were to rate your word, how powerful is your word? If your word is your bond, how strong of a bond is this? Bond okay. is like something that sticks together. So it's like your word sticks to the reality as it leaves your lips. Right. It's like saying... You know, I want to start, I want to take every Friday off, but then you consistently find yourself working every Friday. Right. You're just, uh, so so on a subconscious level, you're saying, okay, so saying what I want to do isn't really do anything. It doesn't mean anything. My word isn't that strong. Exactly. I I just throw it around. And so then when it comes to something that really matters Mm -hmm. in your life, like this big goal or thing you're working towards and you say it, it has the same weight, the same weakness, if we will, the Mm -hmm. same lack of a bond. And that's why we start with the little things. Like today I will meditate for five minutes and then you do it and you're like, wow, I did what I said I was gonna do Mm -hmm. because you are your word. You create your world with your word. So what kind of world do you wanna create? And when you answer that, what quality word are you using to do that? Mm -hmm. That's such a powerful one. We're gonna do one more today and it's kind of a great like almost antithesis to all of this to end with. And then we got six more amazing ones we're going to come at you with next week. Don't take yourself too seriously. Oh, what a great lesson. Stop taking stuff too seriously. Like the people that get to know me, clients and students, like we're always joking. We're always teasing. We're always having fun. It's all like an illusion anyways, guys. You're all going to die. We're not getting out of this alive. And I don't want to get to the end of my life and say I didn't have fun. Mm -hmm. In fact, in our executive retreat, one of the things that really came up with is the guiding life for us is always fun. Fun, fun, fun is so important for us. So like we're always having fun and we can always have more fun too. It's not like it was like, well, there's too much fun. Like even our masterminds, we have like pranks. You know, we have a, we have a prank that we pull, which I don't really want to share because then we have a new, new mastermind starting soon. So. Yeah. We want to do it to them, but we like pull pranks and, and stuff on members. Like, yeah, I'm always joking and teasing on coaching calls and like always pulling jokes. And like, then, you know, we do things like writing doom buggies mm-hmm. and playing games and stuff. And don't take life too seriously. As I share all these things, it's a great place to end today. It's like, whoa, he's intense. Like, whoa, damn. And on the other side of that, do it with a sense of lightness and joy and fun and like a little skip in your step. Life is not meant to be taken so darn seriously. Like loosen your grip a bit and have some lightness. And when you do that, then you can also stop taking yourself so seriously. There's this huge energy and theme of self-importance that we see in our industry. And self-importance manifests in so many ways. Even just things like getting offended. Mm -hmm. If you're getting offended, that's your self-importance. Like people need to stop doing what they're doing to protect your emotions. And that's great, you can go do that, but that's living very reactively and asking the world to stop so that you can get on being happy, right? And 
that's self-importance, right? You see a lot of self-importance and ego when people build a following or have a certain, make a certain amount of money. Like I got to six figures or I did it in this speed or I have this many followings or look how popular it is. And it's all about self-importance. And they start to take what they've created so seriously and themselves more seriously, better than, more important than, more significant than. And that's such a dangerous, deadly trap because what you're saying is, is that your importance and your significance is created by others. So you live and die by others. And to come with a sense of, you know, humility and lightness and not taking it so seriously and knowing that it's all rented, this is all borrowed. Your followers are borrowed. The launches you're doing, the successes you're having is all borrowed. It's all fleeting. And I know not people want to hear all this stuff, but it's true. You're not always going to be making the money you're making. You're not always going to be having the fame that you're experiencing and the significance and the following. And the more people don't get that, the more their energy gets to trying to hold onto it trying to not lose it. And you go back into that survival state. How do I not lose it? How do I preserve this? How do I keep this? And that's not what got you there. You didn't get to that level because you're like, how do I preserve and hold on to and I'm afraid to lose it? No. So then you lose it, okay? This one's so big, so, so big. And even like me, I mean, this just came up for me, so I might as well share it. Like the team jokes about this with me, but when I'm not on camera, I'm in board shorts, flip-flops, and probably like a work t-shirt that I'd be using like when I'm working in one of the houses. I'm unshaven. I look like a bum. Like I really, like, oh. Now, why do I do that? I went into years ago, this we could turn this into a whole episode. I went down a whole route. So I was living in New York and everything where like I got caught up. So I started making money in this like needing to have an image and how you dress and what you dress look like. Dress for the job you want. <laughs> yeah. But we're, uh, we're entrepreneurs. So you know what I mean? The billionaire in board shorts. <laughs> so I got caught up into this like image and what you wear and stuff like that. And it was so incongruent with me and I hated it. And it's not what I wanted. And I like to, I don't need to be taken seriously by some stranger. I don't need to walk and go, oh, you must be important because look at that suit. <laughs> I'd rather be the opposite. I'd rather be the looked over, you know, unassuming person that just looks like a big kid that's like struggling in life, like kind of a hippie. That's just me. And I like to dress comfortably, you know, I, I like to dress for me. And that's something wrong if you're like, I like dressing nice. It's like, yeah, it's great to dress up and look nice and feel nice. Absolutely. But what's the intention and the energy behind that? Are you doing it because you need people to respect you? They need they need to take you seriously. They need to see how big deal you are. Don't you know who I am? Kind of thing. <laughs> and to lose that self-importance, to not take yourself so seriously is vital, is, is so important. And it's freeing. Yeah. It's so freeing. This like plays out for me by like leaning into childlike tendencies instead of avoiding it or like interests, like little things. I mean, for example, you're just talking about clothes. Like I'm wearing purple fuzzy slippers mm-hmm. as my work shoes right, <laughs> right now. Yeah. And it's because I want them and they make me happy and they make me feel youthful and happy. And so why not? Why, would why do I have to wear it? like high heels, stilettos? I just right. want to wear my purple fluffy slippers. Right. <laughs> and, you know, anyone can have their rebuttals or arguments. But speaking of entrepreneurs that want to build a life and business by design. Right. And who? so whose design is that? Is that society's design? Is that your parents' design? Is that your audience's design? Mm-hmm. Your immediate family? Or is it yours? Mm-hmm. And it's like, I don't want to get to the end of my life and be like, I'm so glad I did everything that everyone else wanted 
me to do mm-hmm. and nothing I wanted to do. Yep. We'll talk about more about that on the next week. You know, it's interesting. This is just coming up to me. You know, obviously Jilly's my name, but my real name's Jillian. Mm-hmm. And my family tried to convince me to make my name Jillian once I became a professional so that other people would take me more seriously. Wow. And I was like, yep. screw that. I'm Jilly. Like, this is yep. me. That's I want to have fun. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> it represents me better. And good for you. I don't care. Yeah, exactly. like, I never care. It's <laughs> your name. So to recap really quickly, we've gone over the first six of 12 life lessons that I learned that I did not learn in school. The first one being no one's coming to save you. Life lesson number two, life is happening for you, not to you. Number three, you are here for a reason. You have purpose, law of dharma. Number four, happiness is the way, not the destination. Number five, you are your word and you create your world with your word. And number six, don't take yourself too darn seriously. Those are the first six, and we've got six powerful more coming your way. Before that episode airs, I'm gonna invite you to choose at least one of those that you can try on over the next week. Not look for, again, which maybe you did, do I agree with this? Do I already adopt this? Is this something I already know? Which is what most people do. But instead say, wow, that is not how I think. That's not how I operate. Let me try that on and see what that's like. You can always take it off. You can always return it. Mm-hmm. We got a refund policy there for you on any of these life lessons. We got six more you can choose from next week. Exactly. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. Thank you so much. We'll see you on that episode. Bye. Did you know eight out of 10 businesses fail within their very first 18 months? I believe being an entrepreneur means unlearning everything that we've been taught our entire lives about what it really means to be successful, which is why I've created a brand new audio program entitled Activate. I want to show you how to think, act, and behave like the successful entrepreneur that you were meant to be so you can step into the vision that you have for your life and your business. And the best part is this program is yours absolutely free. To register right now, simply visit www.jameswedmore.com forward slash activate and we can get started right now.